0: Hello, and welcome to the Weird Waves podcast. My name is Taylor, and this is episode 52. On this week's podcast, we are talking to Mayali Steve. She is a surfer and coffee aficionado who is currently living in Montreal. This is a fascinating episode for me. I was so excited to geek out and hear all about coffee machinery. Now, her Instagram totally caught my eye when I saw her ripping apart these giant, expensive coffee machines and fixing them. Super interesting. As I say in this episode, I believe that coffee and surfing go together like coffee and beer, or surfing in beer i mean they just complement each other so well and so many people that surf enjoy a nice cup of coffee after a surf so it only made sense to pick her brain about surfing and also about coffee i really hope that you guys enjoy this episode i just think this one is super unique and very educational and i really hope that you enjoy it hello
1: hello nice Hi. to meet you. nice <laughs> to meet <too>. you <laughs> Awesome, yeah. Your audio sounds good, and your video is good too. So we should be, be great, good to go. Great, awesome. I <laughs> like your hand tattoo.
2: Oh, thank you. It's coffee. <laughs> I have a
1: feeling. I feel like there's a little bit of a theme going on.
2: A little
1: bit, eh? <laughs> <laughs> so where are so you located? Um, I'm in Florida. Okay. Yeah, so um, we used to live in Indiana and surf on Lake Michigan. So okay. that's kind of how we started the podcast. And I don't, I'm not really sure. We always find our guests on Instagram. And so I somehow, I feel like I saw you tagged in something. And then I've been obsessed with your coffee machine inside <laughs> posts. Oh my gosh. No, seriously. It's so like wild I've never seen anything like that I used to actually um have a shop when I lived overseas above like a coffee roastery so I feel like I know like a decent amount about coffee but nothing about the machines (laughs) so I felt like you had to be on the podcast I'm sure you're very interesting I feel like what you're doing is super interesting and I know surfing and a good cup of coffee go together like you know I don't know peanut butter and jelly or something especially in the cold areas you agree with that yes (laughs) that and beer yeah (laughs) yeah right right yeah so um so that's yeah that's me I just found you and I told my husband I was like look at this she's like taking apart all these like crazy machines it's like just so wild. So, anyways,
2: oh, that's so kind. It's uh, it's really really fun. It's a uh, it's a really weird niche, fun thing. Kind of like river surfing, I guess. It's like I mean, it's it's less niche now, but I think it used to be a little more niche than
1: than anything else. But yeah, <laughs> how did you get into this? Oh my, so. I uh like long story or like medium story short well, story. we've got time let's yeah. maybe can you start by explaining what exactly you do and then maybe kind of go into it how you got to where you are
2: yeah um do you like in terms of surfing or in terms of my business
1: let's start with your business sure okay so i um
2: well i guess it's tied together but i used to wrestle competitively And um, so I moved to Montreal for that reason, and then it broke my body. And uh, at the time, I was very, like, uh, kind of narrow-minded about what I wanted to do, whether it be work or sports. And so um, I did sports with, like, a very narrow-minded perspective uh, back in the day, where it was, like, get from point A to point B, as efficiently as possible, and uh, when I stopped wrestling, I kind of had a big, like most people I think who compete, uh, when they stop their sports uh, in in a competition setting, it kind of like flips the whole thing around. You're like, whoa, what is this world I live in? And um, I. Started doing more like outdoor sports and whatnot, and um, to get back to the business side of things. So, um, well,
1: what age was this that you kind of stopped? Um, I stopped at the age
2: of I think 18 when I got my first surgery.
1: Okay, so the track that you were on is was it like competing to be like to go like in a professional route. Is that what you kind of were, were no, foreseeing was, or?
2: No, I was on Team Canada already. So I was competing with university level stuff. And I had just gone to Pan Am's and so I was training for Worlds. And um yeah, but my body was really broken and I was like, maybe I'd like to walk when I'm thirty. I don't know. Um and then I was like, yeah, that sounds like fun. <laughs> um yeah so so I was I was nine, 18, 18 at the time. Um but that kind of also changed my perspective on work so I went back home which is I don't know if you're familiar with Gatineau.
1: <laughs> I am not.
2: All right so it's across the bridge from Ottawa um in uh yeah but it's in Quebec and uh I did some university on and off in mainly law and conflicts and human rights. Um, but all the while, I'd been working as a barista in coffee since I was about, I don't know, 16. And I just kind of kept coming back to it. Um, and eventually, I started delving deeper and deeper. And then I started doing a lot more quality control and working for different businesses probably over 20, um, trying to figure out... Because coffee is kind of like anything else. You can do a lot of things in coffee. Um, And eventually, I took apart a roaster with um, what we call a machinist. Um, It's like a toolmaker. And we took it apart, rebuilt it, modified it. And that's kind of, I think, when everything clicked. And I was like, oh... Math makes sense. Mechanics is fun. Uh, I don't have to work in service for the rest of my
0: life. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so so that's kind of when it all clicked. And it's also around kind of the same time that I was introduced to surfing. To river surfing, actually. Mm-hmm. I've been super adamant about not doing it for whatever reason.
1: Not I was, surfing?
2: Yeah, no. it, was, it was like uh, my partner who um at the time, had just started surfing with his buddy, and um he's like really naturally great at everything sport wise anyway, and
1: he's like My husbands he- like that too, right, it's so <laughs> annoying. <laughs>
2: Oh my gosh they're like yeah i'm okay and you're like no you're great oh yeah,
1: yeah, i feel that so intensely
2: <laughs> yeah so he was like you should really try this and i was like cam i'm a really bad swimmer like i'm actually dangerously bad at swimming he's like hey listen we have a, sh- a wave uh, back home that's like really close to shore and it's like a very easy beginner wave um, but he was like, you know, I'll be there with you. And, you know, so anyway, so I finally was like, fine, I'll try it. And I reluctantly tried it. And then I got really, really addicted. Kind of like I think we all do. You all kind of get hooked. And then it's like, and then you're in the water every day, like the majority of the day. Um, and yeah, and that's kind of how it started.
1: <laughs> that's awesome. So is it? When you started river surfing, were you like wearing a helmet and a life jacket and all of that because I know from I've never actually surfed a river, but I know from the people that I've talked to that are super into it there's a totally different aspect of like danger, yeah involved, so, so. yeah
2: there's a lot I think of uh th- I think there's a lot of different philosophies about it um I can't speak for the majority of the community because. I, I haven't been in the community long enough, but um, I can speak for like our, I guess our local folks, but there's like one thing where we're from is like lots of people tend to put their leashes on uh, their knees rather than their ankles. Cause we, um, but it depends which river wave you're at. Like some river waves are super deep. So there's really like the rock dangers aren't as, uh, aren't as present, mm-hmm. but where we surf there's uh there's a lot of rocks and a lot of like trees and stuff, so it's preferable to put your leash on your knees. A lot of people have life jackets as well. Uh, lots of people, not lots of people. A few A few people wear helmets, uh, but it's definitely a good idea. Um, mm-hmm. When I started, I had all of those things. Um, and I still do depending on the wave. Like there's some waves that I'll definitely wear a helmet but i always but there's there's also something where um especially in our region we wear waist leashes a lot more and surf the greats um makes uh like they sell uh waist leash- leashes which is great cuz we really like are uh, anyway we're i'm a big proponent of wearing a waist leash it's great
1: i what i don't even know is it is it exactly what it sounds like like instead yeah. of on your foot it's your waist okay I exactly. <laughs> the thing is
2: you have, like a quick access to it because if you're like say through mm. it like your leash and say your boards on one side and you're on the other side of a trunk or whatever and then it's pulling you um it's really really hard if you're against the current to like go like grab your leash on your ankle and like or your even your knee sometimes like and if you've ever tried it it's like nearly impossible independently of how strong you are whereas your waist uh, is right there so if you cut it to the appropriate length then you're good to go that's um, cool yeah
1: It it's kind of it, it reminds me I guess of the idea of like they have those quick release um leashes yes. they still go on your ankle but it's like for the big wave guys or they use them in comps too but you know it's like a little a, a slightly long tab, and it's less Velcro, and it's more, like... Yeah, yeah, it's definitely better
2: to, you know,
1: kind of, so to speak, lose your board than to,
2: like, if you're in a bad situation, just stay there and have no way of getting out,
1: <laughs> so... Which it's... is interesting, because I feel like with traditional surfing, traditional, we'll put it in, in air quotes, but um you you kind of want the board as you're out as like your flotation device absolutely which is super interesting
2: yeah no I think like I would much rather have to swim back to shore in a river than to Mm -hmm. like just drown
0: (laughs) well yeah (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> I mean, I—that's probably the smartest choice. I would have to agree with you on that one. <laughs> so, in so you're you are in Montreal, is I that am, correct?
2: I am now, but I'm from Gatineau, and the waves that I guess that you've seen on my profile are mainly Gatineau Ottawa waves.
1: Okay, so there's not a like a surfing or any rivers in Montreal or it's just you're not surfing there
2: there is um I'm not really in tune with it though I've been I moved here for work so I've been I haven't oh my god I'm so embarrassed I haven't surfed in like a month and a half um the longest in (laughs) the last two or three years so um but but yeah there is there's like uh there's two there's one like like extremely small wave called la Vagagui and it's like a longboard wave it's it's tiny and it has like the the biggest lineups ever mm-hmm. but it's a really fun way for beginners i think um or people who like to longboard and then there's this other wave uh Abita and like that one has um, a couple of nice waves and then there's some like really 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 gnarly rapids um where only a few people go you need a jet ski for the most part or you need to know where to paddle to not die
1: um interesting
2: yeah so there is there's is surfing here um yeah i'm just not i have surfed here a couple times maybe like 20 um but i'm i think i'm really drawn to to Ottawa Gatineau just because of the community mainly yeah when I want to surf I go back home
1: (laughs) makes sense (laughs) yeah isn't it interesting how those little communities just are so different from each other we've talked I've talked about it so many times on the podcast but yeah well just like especially in the like not traditional surfing realm I feel like they're like I don't know Gatineau but I'm assuming it's smaller than Montreal is that yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. So these smaller areas, there's like a scarcity of resources of like you know knowledge maybe or people. So they the, the community gets like so strong. Yeah. That um and and is sometimes more maybe opening open to towards other people because they've kind of built this like their you know bond where sometimes in cities you don't if it's too many people it's too big there's too they don't want to ruin it you know because it's like um, oh yeah yeah and it is understandable it's for for me the the just the different people I've talked to in the different places that I've surfed it is so interesting to see that because I like when I came to the states and was surfing in Michigan that's why I was craving this like community that I had felt in other places before and um you don't know what it is until you actually have it. And then when you leave, you're like, oh, okay.
2: Uh, <laughs> yeah, we have like just these. What I really like about the community is like it, it has grown a lot this year, though, um, because uh, I think there's a couple of guys from the community that were featured in a Wii Surf. I don't know if yeah. you're familiar with them, but. Um, they kind of, we surf make like, uh, it's like videos and stuff and they're pretty popular in the surfing community. And um, I think it exposed a lot of our home waves to a lot of people. So this year we had a lot of people come from the States and from a bunch of different places, which was really cool. Um, so so it grew a lot this year, but what's really nice is that we have these like pillar, pillar people who like name the waves who are still surfing with us and like they're like like trevor for example (laughs) who's like a surf guru and like and paul and there's and marco and there's so many other uh people who just like um kind of like they started surfing those waves uh with and some of that like there, there were a couple people before them i think but like they've like really carried on like the culture and They're super pro safety, which is awesome, which like they like actively talk about it, which is cool. And um, yeah, like I think the community is really alive thanks to thanks to their presence and their being there. Like it's not just a bunch of us young folks. It's like we're a lot of uh, there's no ageism in it. So we're a lot of different people and just kind of all surfing together, which is nice. It
1: is so nice. And I think it's um it's so valuable to be to have all the different ages because all different people they can learn from each other at the different levels you know you've got like beginners that are like whatever 50 or 60 you've got you know people who are doing it been at, for forever and they might be 25 so that's the interesting things about spots yeah. like that I think
2: yeah absolutely it's really nice
1: <laughs> that's so cool that's so is there like um in that area is there like a shop or is there like a central yeah. there's, spot
2: there's a small shop called Surfside um in Ottawa and that's pretty much there's also like a like a, a diving shop um but I can't remember the name but most people go to Surfside but then I think a lot of people also get stuff from like Surf the Greats because it's like really easily accessible and they're amazing like they're oh. so them.
1: They are. I feel I, like I talk about them every podcast. You know? I love what they do. I just love them. They're great. <laughs> They're so great, and they, you know, during the whole quarantine, yeah. that they did you do any of the yoga that you no,
2: saw? I saw, it and I kept being like, I should really do this. I should really do this. But no, I was I was surfing during quarantine.
1: That's but, awesome. Yeah. I, you know, I was too. But I really, like, when I stopped working for, like, you know, a chunk of time at the beginning, there was just something about, whatever, I think it was Wednesdays and Saturdays, knowing that there was this, like, I could actually, like, see different people. (laughs) You know, like, just actually, you know, and for me, Surf the Greats is the perfect surf shop. Because you don't get pressured into buying anything when you walk in at all. So you've been, like, physically? Yeah, yeah, we went. Yeah, so we went. We actually had um Antonio on the podcast. I think it's episode 13. I'll oh. send it to you. It's really good. Okay, okay. But um, we went there in Toronto. We actually looked into emigrating to my husband and I to, to Canada so that we could live in Toronto. We, we, we ended up going to Florida because, and thank God, because right, this was right before the quarantine, like, right, right, right. And it, you know, it never, it would have been a total, absolute disaster, but, um, just because of that, they're doing it in the best way possible. I think like they're reaching out to people. They've got all the different workshops I saw, They've got one coming up that's like rescue water rescue. Like who's doing that? I don't see anyone doing that.
2: I want to I want to go to that one. Oh my god, it's so awesome.
1: And it's that's awesome. it's so like I'm you run a business. I also run a business and I'm sure you know like it's only like maybe half of what you actually do, and the other half is like how you treat people. Yeah. And that is how you get people to spend money. Like, do you want me to spend money? <laughs> do people, like tutorials and workshops and different things to get me in there because I want to go there. I want to be around that. You know, yeah. we spent, we were there for like, I don't even know, eight hours, like our whole day. We just hung out and oh, drank coffee and we're reading books in there. And you've been there, right? No, oh my God! No. you have to go
2: and just hang out oh i- re- well i I was talking to I can't remember who, but i I did say that I was gonna come down next time, and like I know they have some coffee, I think they have Hale, if I'm not mistaken, and uh I worked with Hale like back like a little while back, and um, yeah, I just like I really want to go check out their setup and just meet them. They just all seem like the oh. nice
1: people <laughs> and great coffee great coffee excellent flat white oh there you go is that's like I'm not a snob with coffee but it is so rare at least like stateside I feel like okay to get a proper flat white at least where I've been and so to have like a really good one oh it was just heaven it was heaven so good
2: that's so great! I'm so glad.
1: Let's, we're we're gonna have to crop this and just send it to the guys and have them use it as an advertisement. <laughs> yeah, <people have, laughs> like it's so great. They're the best. <laughs> oh, but The I thing just, is, is that people know it. People do yeah. know that. It's
2: not like it's not any news. Like it's you know I don't know. They're just great. Even their like little words on their cards when they send you stuff. You're just
1: like oh thanks man (laughs) that's so nice (laughs) I know you guys are doing it right yeah yeah (laughs) they're doing it right for sure oh my gosh (laughs) so funny so let's circle back around to coffee Yeah, I'm so interested how so you went from barista into right into like breaking the machines apart or
2: I I guess I skipped um there's just I did a lot of stuff, a lot of different things in coffee, and I worked for a lot of different companies, so it's like kind of a long, like a long trail, but it, you know, like most people it started with barista,
1: mm-hmm. um,
2: and then I was convinced for the longest time that I wanted to be a roaster. Um, until I realized that the only thing I liked about roasting was profiling, but production roasting is like the hardest, most like just, it's a very repetitive and hard and, and like, it's just a really hard job. And, um, and it's a lot of like sitting down and looking at graphs all day long. So, so while I was trying to become a roaster, I was, for the longest time, I was, um, I was always in, um, quality control, so, uh, trainings and then, like, a lot of cuppings. So cuppings would kind of be, like, in, in layman's terms, it's kind of like, if you've ever gone to a wine tasting or, like, a beer tasting, that's basically what it is, but for coffee in a professional, in, like, a lab setting where, like, we do that to evaluate coffees. Okay. Um, So, uh, so yeah, so quality control has to do with like sensory stuff, but there's also a lot of like science and math behind it. But, um, but all to say is that once I did get to roasting, I was like, oh no. And then, (laughs) (laughs) but I knew that I really enjoyed, um, the industry and I wasn't like super jaded yet (laughs) so so like and despite being jaded i still i really i really love the industry but i am jaded um but what happened then was that i was kind of uh i was like yeah i was i was doing a lot of training and then i kept looking at equipment and feeling like i was really powerless and which is kind of odd because i grew up um my my dad comes from a family of uh 16 and there are 12, wow. uh, yeah, it's big, big family. And the, all the guys, so 12 of them are tradesmen. Um, and my dad brought me in on jobs a lot when I was a kid. And I I guess I forgot that I kind of grew up around a lot of trades and, and doing them here and there. Um, but for whatever reason, I just didn't think that uh, I was capable. And then... Um, one day I got really annoyed with myself and not knowing how to tweak something on a machine and uh, kind of like if you just didn't repair your dings on your board, just because not for any particular reason, but just cause you were like, I don't know, I guess I've never thought that I was going to do it. And that's kind of how I felt about machines. And I was, and so one day I just got annoyed with, with that. And, um, I got hired at a job to be a roaster. Um and I ended up working more on the mechanics of the machine and rebuilding it than actually roasting because it was um it needed a lot of love and uh yeah, and then being someone who's never very uh good not not good fast at math. Um it was a really cool realization because once I could contextualize numbers, it all made sense. So that's what teching gave to me. That's what me- mechanics did for me was uh, contextualize a lot of things that I thought were abstract and then started to make sense. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs>
0: no, no, that's,
1: <laughs> that's, that's what the podcast is. It's just talking. No, it's super interesting because um, I feel like, how old are you? I ask?
2: um I am 24
1: now I feel like there's a certain threshold after I don't know Mm 20-ish where things that you learn at least what I've been hearing from people I'm 26 things that you learned in school all of a sudden kind of go oh you know yeah. (laughs) yeah because you can you have a reason to like use that information that's yeah. in your that you know how to use so yeah. like a practical application of skills yeah. and I think math is a big one because if you don't have any reason to use it it's like more like word vomit you you know yeah. that whatever x equals yeah. y or whatever the thing is but if you don't have a way to understand how you can use it, it just kind of becomes weird knowledge
2: yeah, I think some people definitely like get it real fast, and they maybe don't need the context. But I think I definitely needed it, and still need it today. Um, but once that context is there, it does make sense, and it's quite interesting and fun.
1: <laughs> yeah. So, are you? So, you're regularly doing math now, essentially. Uh, yeah,
2: in like plumbing's math, um, I do a lot of like. I don't do the hard plumbing because I mean I'm not qualified <laughs> but a lot of what we do is around other trades so you need to know enough about plumbing enough about electrical and electricity enough about like mechanics themselves certain materials and metals lots of metals and plastics and what we deal with um and and fluids to really understand And I mean, the knowing coffee part is the fun part that comes with, like, I think having a deeper understanding of the philosophies behind machines and why they're constructed a certain way. Because if you, if you say haven't really been in coffee on the barista side of things and you're working on this equipment, um, I mean, they're all built to do the same thing. They're just different systems, right? So it kind of, if I were to come into this as a general mechanic, I feel like it would a lot of this would seem like frivolous and irrelevant, and like a mm. kind of you know, just adding a bunch of stuff for no reason. Um, but knowing what the end goal hypothetically is supposed to be, a lot of it may- starts to make sense. Like, and I-, I often take this examples, but different types of restrictors, like, why are you working with a point zero six milliliter uh, versus like 0.07? Like, what's the you know, and then knowing that it's about flow rate um, kind of makes it a lot more interesting than just being like, oh, it's just a six or a seven. Um,
1: yeah. So So understanding the why, are you, I guess before your business, would it be common for a coffee shop to call like a general mechanic to fix their machines? No. No
2: no there are technicians it's so it's it's such a weird thing um it's a trade but it's not we're not like a unionized trade we're not like a recognized trade which is something okay. hope one day we can be and there's some organizations that are working towards that but um yeah, no. There's a lot of technicians everywhere, um, and so if you're a coffee shop, it's it's a lot of word of mouth. So you you know you'd know someone else who's in coffee who'd been like, oh, call this person. Um, they'll know what to do. Or sometimes like people who don't know anyone will like watch YouTube videos and attempt to do it themselves, which sometimes is successful. Um, a lot of times not um, because you're working with like a pressurized system and electricity. Um, but yeah, but all to say is that yes, like people will call technicians, but every technician has um like specialties, so to speak. Okay. Uh, yeah, I know it's really kind of weird and complex, but um, No, it's
1: interesting. That but that's why it's interesting because it's not something at least from my perspective, like it's not something that you think about you just don't I wouldn't I just don't think about it but actually it makes sense because the systems that people are using to make coffee they're so unbelievably expensive it's like a high tech piece of machinery and I think that maybe that gets lost in between like the art of making coffee and the like art of like being in a coffee shop
2: yeah and it's a lot I think that's why there's a lot it's kind of like you know, I guess what shaping would be like where it's like a science and a craft and like Mm -hmm. people surf and shape other people just surf other, you know, like Mm. it, it, I think it's that kind of thing too, where like, for example, um, in the same way that a car mechanic, you can have like a general car mechanic or you can have someone who works with specific makes and models. We have the same thing in coffee. So like, um, for example, I mainly uh, like I'm certified, quote unquote, Marzocco, Water for Coffee. These are all like brands and makes that I've associated myself with and can work more proficiently with because of the experience and the contacts and the relationships. Um, so there's the same thing in like for other techs where like they'll have other make and models and other uh, partners and so on and so forth. So we all kind of are specialized so to speak in whatever it is that we believe in in terms of uh, brands and, and manufacturers
1: and is it like um like is there a generalized generalized maintenance schedule where like even if you're not having any issues you need somebody to come
2: yes yes <laughs> I'm so happy you brought that up <laughs> so this is something that um Uh, Not all techs, but definitely, like, I mean, yeah, like, I hope that all techs are proponents of this, because it is a thing. It's like changing the oil in your car, like, okay, like, if you don't do it, like, your car will keep running, for quite some time but like eventually it'll just break and it won't just break where that issue is it'll break with a ton of other things and so there is a general preventative maintenance schedule for all make and models um which are rarely followed but really should be (laughs) um they're every like every 3 months if you can otherwise every like 4 months but every manufacturer has their own schedule and what they depending on what type of um materials and valves they're using they'll have different uh like lifespans so they'll adjust their schedules for that um but i think like one thing that we often uh, don't talk about enough is the water so a lot of times i think uh it's it's like people will take care of their machines, but if you don't have good water going into your equipment, all of that is meaningless. And Mm -hmm. so there are also preventative maintenances to do on your filters and you need to choose your filters well, not just like put random filters in. Depends what kind of water you have. And so I think that like when people choose their machines, they choose their machines and they budget for that. But I think a bigger amount of time and money should be spent with filtration systems because that's ultimately what's going to keep it alive longer
1: it's so crazy that we are talking about coffee but that's i'm a hairdresser and so much of this is the same with hair actually because you really need for almost anything like as soon as you move you need to test your water for hair if you're buying a business if you're doing something like what you're doing you need to test your water you need to figure out like what's actually in it it's crazy how much difference it can be in so many aspects of your life it's just water like quality but also like what's the ph what's the mineral makeup like what's the all of that stuff and i'm sure it's it does similar things to, like, the pipes. It does the same thing to your hair. Like, you get buildup on your hair. You get, like, I saw your pictures of, like, scaling. You That happens to people's hair, too. Yeah, yeah. So you can get different buildup and stuff. And um, it can affect so, so, so much. And we, like, kind of like what you're saying about text. Like, if you're at a certain level, you know that that is the most foundational thing for like each of your clients that they have to know they should test their own water they should know before even like coming to see you or before like before solving any problem like what yeah. like kind of what what you're saying
2: yeah I think I often get um like I'd say 90% of the problems I have in Montreal like in terms of calls are water related issues 90 mm-hmm. like hands down and you know, I often kind of say, like, I can come fix it for you temporarily. But ultimately, as long as the, the filter like issue isn't fixed, that's just gonna keep coming back. So there's only really so much I can do. It's not like a permanent solution. Mm-hmm. Really. So yeah, I agree. Like water is water is so much. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah, it's crazy. Like, like, I think from a business perspective, like in my business and your business, and then also like same with surfing. Like, it's just interesting when you go to different like places, you can feel the difference in the water. Like some of it feels like, I don't know. I forgot where I was surfing on like Michigan, but it's like, it, it feels like, I don't know, like sticky. Like, it doesn't feel yeah. like, like, it, you know, it, it, I think it's an under understood aspect of like how much it affects Even the smallest things in your life.
2: Absolutely. I I mean, we surf like in some river surfing, so fun for that because you like depending on where you are in the river, it can go from like really awesome fresh clean water to some really nasty water. (laughs) Like, (laughs) like we we surf like there's a couple places where we surf and it's really close to sewage. Um, Like one of. Like, specifically, one of our waves is called Sewer Wave, and, I mean, it's mainly because the water coming out is from the sewage system, um, but, but yeah, you can definitely feel it, like, when we go to cleaner places, we're like, wow, like, you know, I feel great, and you don't, mean, <laughs> not like, because otherwise, you want to get out of your wetsuit, like, as soon as you're out of the
1: water. Oh, my God. I you really have a strong immune system, though.
2: Oh yeah, I think so. <laughs> I don't know. We definitely get sick sometimes, but oh my there's, gosh, there's this guy—not this guy. He's not a guy. He's a rat. He's a sewage rat. I call him Bob. He's often <laughs> around there, and he just hangs out. And there's like definitely sewage rats, um, like muskrats, around that place. So oh
1: man,
2: yeah, fun times. He's lovely. <laughs>
1: I like that you've named him. I did. (laughs) He's local. I love him.
2: He's so friendly. He'll just, like, come swim next to you, and you're like, don't come too close,
1: but I still think you're cute. Oh, my gosh. That's so funny. I like it. (laughs) That's so funny. So when you're surfing, like, you mainly go between – the two places that we've talked about have you gone on any like surf trips or surf travels
2: yes so so i guess i guess i'm going into my um i'm going to no i've done two seasons and a half now um and since i started uh we cameron my partner and i uh he started bef- like maybe a, a year before me but we both got really really hooked so we went We went to a couple, every time we take time off, it's to go surf now. So I Mm -hmm. I guess we've gone to Tofino, um, and Euclid, uh, we've gone to Nova Scotia twice now. Uh, we've gone to, um, Mexico, Costa Rica, um, and, yeah, like, there's been, like, just, it's been really wild and crazy. I'm a
1: terrible
2: ocean surfer, like. Hence... I was
1: just gonna ask how the transition <laughs> was.
2: <laughs> I am awful, like, actually terrible. My duck dives look like I'm drowning, like, I'm really bad, um, but, <laughs> but I have a lot of fun, so.
1: <laughs> That's the most important thing, Yeah, and duck duck diving takes so long to get it's oh so God. it's um it's like a whole nother level as well yeah I, yeah, I've,
2: and, yeah. Like, when we were in Mexico that's mainly what I did because the lineups were so aggressive um oh. and I was just um I wouldn't say that my paddling wasn't strong enough but my will to want to pass someone was not I like because I because we have such a chill community back home it felt so counterintuitive to be really aggressive in the water um so I just practiced dog diving for like two weeks and it was great it was really really awesome um it was wild there's some some interesting breaks there it was definitely cool but uh yeah
1: well i think people don't practice duck diving enough like anyways so oh. you you see a lot of like pretty horrible duck dives and then it just becomes like if you don't do it properly yeah you might as well just like smash your body into the wave <laughs> instead of trying to like cuz you're actually getting like the duck dive is using the energy of the wave crashing like behind you to propel you through the wave so like if you're if you're not doing it properly then you're you're just like getting pushed back instead of getting pushed like under and out if that makes sense
2: that actually makes so much more sense than all of the videos i've watched i wish I wish someone would have just said that. That's, like, dynamically so sensical. It makes...
1: Thank you. Well, yeah, so, like, you're moving forward. Let me try to... This is going to be audio only, so let me try to, like, really... (laughs) You are propelling outwards towards where everyone else is surfing, away from the beach, and the wave is going towards the beach, and eventually it will crash, and you want to go deep enough... To where the energy of the crashing wave will push you out mm-hmm. behind it. So instead of push you back. Because so some okay. of the energy goes in towards the beach. But some of the energy also kind of goes down and then gets pushed back up the other side of the wave. Mm-hmm. So it's more about like depth and timing. than I think a lot of people just try to go, Ooh. <laughs> you know, just like get in there. Um, But I practiced duck diving. I had a surf, I had a friend who was a surf coach. And he told me that that's how he explained it to me as well. And he's like, you just have to go out there and practice. So I would take a board that was smaller than what I usually rode. So it was like actually easier, not yeah. a lot of volume, to just get deep. Deep, deep, deep under. And then once you get volume and you feel it, you can feel that you're doing it correctly.
2: Uh huh. That's so cool. No, that's awesome. We don't have that much. I guess that's why we do surf trips, because we only have river waves around Mm -hmm. here. So there's not, like, we'll do it when, uh, sometimes when we have, like, long paddles, long paddle back, like, from a wave in the river, Mm -hmm. we'll, like, you know, in the eddies, like practice, yeah, as much as possible. But that's pretty much the extent of it.
1: <laughs> no, but that's good. I mean, it's there's so many people that surf ocean and also lake waves that aren't practicing duck dive either. So you're ahead of the curve, I would say.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well you see me
1: actually try? <laughs> oh man! <laughs> but but isn't it just about getting out there? In yeah. A way? Absolutely. you know absolutely and- no
2: honestly it's it's really hilarious it's so much fun and like yeah like most of the times that we've gone ocean or now that you mention it lake, because we have gone to uh like in a couple times to try to surf the lake there which has been hilarious because the waves are so unpredictable <laughs>
1: yeah <laughs>
2: uh like it's always been such a gnarly time independently and and just so much fun and uh like we've often had times where the waves were so they were so much uh, more advanced than the caliber which we were at um we just had so much fun and we would just go out like the first time we went to Costa Rica actually the this never happens because we were Langosta was great like it had a really nice swell but we went we like started in tamarindo where it's like known to be like a noob a noob spot where like there's really easy waves and stuff and for whatever reason there had been a hurricane and so we <laughs> actually ended up having like these like seven eight footers and we were like well we're here right so like, and it was I think it was our second time in the ocean we we're like we got to do this and we just went and it was like it was hilarious like we were just it was so powerful and they were all closing out and like it was just like it was so great it was great yeah
1: what is the why do you think the transition is difficult for you like what is the difference between the waves or the way of surfing that makes it like difficult for you
2: um the timing okay in river you have time you have time because as soon as the, in river, the most important thing is like catching the wave. Once you've caught it, like unless you're in like a really like in a in a wave that has steps or uh, like a like kind of a weird shape, even then, like you 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 have time to reposition yourself, um, and you have time to kind of feel the wave and like where it's pushing you and where it's pulling you, and you have time to feel like where the current is going or coming from, and like. You can see the eddies, like, you have time. In the ocean, probably because I didn't grow up on the ocean, I mean, I really have a hard time reading the waters. And then when it comes to, like, the timing of, like, actually just even, like, once I'm in the wave, the surfing part is is chill. Like, that part is easy, so to speak. But it's the catching them that, like uh like, the getting up part and how to do that um but you're speaking to like a hyper beginner like ocean surfer right so like I think a lot of people like once they have that it's about like perfecting that but um from where I'm standing it's just like the timing is very very different
1: yeah that makes sense
2: on the board too like
1: ocean
2: yeah like ocean you're super for like you're much more forward you want your Mm -hmm. weight up and then river if you do that you just nosedive so like river is a lot more like center back like you know what i mean and because you can you can like i don't know yeah you like when you like a lot of times what we'll see actually this makes me think of like my cousin uh who's an amazing ocean surfer his name is olivier and uh he has this like really cool Instagram, actually, he's really just an amazing ocean surfer. And he came to surf river with us the first time I think last year. And it was really interesting to see because it took him like, maybe like, five or 10 times to like, catch the wave and then understand how to get up. And I think we see that a lot for ocean surfers who are transitioning to river surfing where like, he would get up like kind of really aggressively on the board and like very forward and then mm. like just get you know, get washed away. Um but as soon as he got it, he was like shredding it was like it was so <laughs> incredible to watch. We were like, Oh, oh cool, yeah, yeah. You just do <laughs> It
1: was so amazing. But
2: but there was I think that transition for him as well. Um And I think for everyone, just in your positioning on the board and and getting up, yeah.
1: Yeah, it's, I bet it's kind of similar to, like, snowboarders. I feel like snowboarders, they have that, that's where the gap is. Like, even someone who's a super high-level snowboarder, when you're starting, you're kind of starting, like, a stationary. Mm -hmm. And you're more, like, leaning on your back foot. Yeah. You know? And then what becomes hard for them is like you're saying like actually timing the way to because it's not stationary that's mm-hmm. moving force It's kind of interesting to hear that I, that's what I've wondered is what that like transition is like
2: yeah and it's also like again like reading a like a river is different than reading like the currents in an ocean or or even a lake like it's the river's a lot more predictable, you know, cuz like unless your rocks are moving or like you can like we know that at this level um you know this is going to be here and this rock will appear and this little like current's going to be there and like these eddies are definitely not going away. So it's like it's a lot more predictable, I think.
1: Um
2: in in that sense. Like, visually, you can really, really see it and get a global picture.
1: Um, What is an eddy? I don't actually know.
2: An eddy is when, like, two currents meet and then kind of create, like, a a stable kind of patch that doesn't... Like, it kind of goes back the other way. Okay. I'm not explaining this well. You know, like, I feel like (laughs) that's the worst definition anyone
1: (laughs) ever gives. So let me just... (laughs) Uh, google break
2: yay yeah, 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 yeah. okay a current of water or air running contrary to the main current especially a circular current okay a whirlpool something moving similarly contrary circular current um yeah okay so that's so it spins like in a circle no not not necessarily like that would be like a whirlpool which can happen and mm-hmm. uh, it, it happens a lot actually um but no it's like just two contrary currents that meet and then Sometimes, like, if you're, like, caught in an eddy, it'll be something that, like, say you're going, you're trying to swim back to shore, and then, mm-hmm. or you're paddling back to shore, and then you hit an eddy, uh, you it, it's like that patch of water is usually a little more still, and it's not going in that same direction as the current, so you can either, like, chill there, or sometimes, like, in an eddy, you'll, you can get, like, kind of stuck,
1: quote-unquote. Oh, is it eddy. like a rip, in a way? uh mm,
2: yes and no like no no but but it's it's a different current it's not going the same way okay yeah
1: interesting yeah yeah because I heard about the whirlpools but I did not hear about
2: who did you hear about the whirlpools from
1: um Jacob I can't think of his last name (laughs) I'm sorry was it jacob kelly yes. yes He's awesome he came to yeah. surf with us yeah he's so cool he's- he gave us the like huge rundown on river surfing that's where i got like the majority of my knowledge from would would be from him it was so wild to listen to him talk about it but he talked about whirlpools which as like as a lake or ocean surfer it just sounds absolutely like so terrifying it
2: is it really did he say it wasn't some people think they're not but oh no he
1: said they were they're
2: horrible they're actually (laughs) the worst like even when you do get good at being in a whirlpool and you react well it sucks it honestly
1: just sucks the worst it sounds scary it sounds so scary and it's just it is it's so interesting to hear about like what are the different like fear you know every angle of the sport in a different aspect has these little like you know watch out for like the eddie which i didn't even know what it was or the whirlpool or this and that and so that's interesting i heard you yeah sorry oh that's okay i heard you say season so what is like a season for you guys is it a time frame are you looking for water like spring Yeah,
2: for volume or what spring yeah. well so it depends where you are like Montreal season is not the same as Gatineau season but Gatineau okay. is spring so higher levels for us is good uh, whereas okay. Mont- I think Montreal is the other way around but we want like higher with when we have higher levels that's when our waves come in and we have a lot of dams so it's like dependent on the snow and the ice melts up north um and I think there's a couple of dams so like it- it's it's it varies with the seasons, but, um, but yeah, it's mainly spring. Uh, we do, we can surf though all season, like we can surf in the winter and stuff, but the, like we did the past two winters, which was really fun. And there's like barely anyone because there's a lot of ice coming down, uh, in the winter, like, and I'm talking like, like islands of ice and like, like huge, like huge ice so you have to be really careful and you're mostly going to destroy the board that you're using so you have to kind of go (laughs) from like a shitty board or like shitty fins (laughs) Um, because they're probably going to be mauled at the end of it but it's so much fun because you go for like 30 minutes to an hour in like a 5'4", and you're completely, like, frozen, you most likely have frostbite a bit, and it's just, and you have ice all over your face, like, I don't have the ice beards, unfortunately, I wish I could (laughs) grow a beard just to have an ice beard, but, um, but I tried to have, like, ice dreads that one year, because I didn't have a, a hood, which was fun, um, but, but all to say, it's just a really cool experience to do with your friends. If you if you all surf together, like, it's, like, it's a big struggle. If you have to really, like, pump yourselves up to go. It's cold. The waves are not that big.
1: <laughs> it's
2: really fun.
1: That's, that sounds so fun.
2: It so is. Cool. It really is. And, like, there's always someone, like, we bring buckets of hot, like, burning water to, like, so there's like a couple that a couple of people who will like surf in the winter and it's like the gear is different. Like you bring like coolers filled with hot water and like you bring like hot patches and then you oft- oft- often also bring like uh like whiskey or something to to
1: keep- warm yourself <laughs> up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's so fun. Sounds a little bit like winter like surfing it gets a little oh yeah hardcore I think some I mean sometimes I we I forgot who used to put like a hot water bottle in a cooler and you can keep your like clothes in there to keep them warm okay um which is like a nice pro tip because then when you get out of your cold stuff then you put on your warm like clothes and they're all toasty and it's very enjoyable I also like old Ugg boots or like old some sort of like older ones and then you instantly like put your feet in them as soon as you get out of the water
2: so awesome
1: very nice oh, very very
2: nice. awesome I'm gonna That's, try
1: that yeah I mean not obviously not new ones but like Either, like, older ones. I think I got a pair that were, like, secondhand or something for cheap. Because I knew they would just be nasty. But then as soon as you get out of the water, you're in, your feet are in, like, lamb's wool. (laughs) That's awesome. So (laughs) warm and cozy. Very nice. Oh, I'm going to try that. I'm really going to try that. Yeah. Yeah. Winter. Winter. for winter surfing that's i mean for us that was our season in um on the lakes it was like fall to winter no way yeah well until the lake freezes over basically yes okay but i think fall is the best because it's like not too cold the water temperature is still warm
2: yeah
1: um because it does take what what
2: size uh, like what mill do you wear?
1: Some people did six five. Um, I had a six five this last Holy. the last winter season, but I had a really good one that was flexible and it was actually better than my five four because my five four was like older. It was like an older Roxy. Like I think actually I saw some of your pictures that's similar to what you have or had the five, gray one. Yeah, like a five four three. Yeah, it's a Roxy one though, right? Yeah, yeah. I had I had that exact same one, and I got a different one that was a five four, and like the neoprene is so much stretchier that I could actually wasn't as restricted paddling. Like it was super nice. Oh,
2: awesome!
1: Yeah, I that's that's a huge upgrade. Is if you can have the stretch, then you don't feel so restricted. Which is the worst about wearing, like, such a thick suit, I think.
2: Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, like, yeah, I just got, like, this new Patagonia one. And mm-hmm. I feel like I am going to suffocate and choke to death because I think the sizing's a little smaller. But oh. I've been told that they're really, really, really good. Um, And I think, like, yeah, I think it's really important to have a flexible suit. Otherwise, you're just, like, I don't know. Like you said, like paddling is just not fun.
1: Yeah, because you feel like a like a Michelin man or whatever, like a big like a marshmallow. <laughs> yeah, I mean, your wetsuit should be snug, mm-hmm. but it shouldn't be so snug that you're like restricted. So you might want to do a size up. I know that Patagonia, they're sizing. They're new in the wetsuit game. They haven't been doing wetsuits for that long. Mm-hmm. So their sizing is like they're figuring out. I still think.
2: Yeah, I don't know. I guess I will have to try it out.
1: Yeah. So I have three more questions for you, and then we will wrap it up. But the first one is: What is the weirdest wave that you've ever surfed?
2: Right. Okay. So. <laughs> so I have kind of like two. One of which I didn't successfully serve, um, and one that I have. So. The one that I didn't successfully surf was a tidal bore. Um, and it was a fluke moment when we we were coming back from Nova Scotia and the swell had been terrible. We really didn't get to surf much and we were really desperate. Um, and Cameron was really desperate and was looking up like any waves. on <laughs> the- <laughs> And he was like, okay guys there's this title bore in this next town if we do like an hour detour we actually are right on time to go catch it so let's do it and we were like okay cool <laughs> and um it was so funny like so we get into this town and people have boards on their on their cars that are like eight feet long like almost like huge subs, like just huge boards and we all have like five four five six boards like fish and we're like no we're good right and then so we get, <laughs> <laughs> we get in the water and it, you have to go down this like huge mudslide and I like ripped my suit and we we're just like it was so strange and then we're like all in this water this like really brown kind of gross water and um we're three people but it's also like it's apparently it's like a tourist attraction to come see the (laughs) the tidal bore so we were just but so we were in the water and, and the and the vibes were really funny and then all of a sudden we see um the tidal bore coming and it was the coolest thing ever to watch that kind of like humbling towards you and you're like whoa oh my gosh oh my gosh and you only have one shot to catch it and we and we were like holy shit and then um so we had to catch the the whitewash but the thing is that the white the whitewash just kept moving like left to right so we were like where do we go and this way was tiny like it was very small like like really I don't know how anyone could have like caught it with a 5-4 like maybe if you were like perfectly spot on the whitewash so we didn't catch it we didn't surf it on our stomachs but we kind of went through it and it was the weirdest coolest thing we've ever I think collectively served um, um without having actually surfed it so that's the first one the one that we actually have surfed uh quite a bit is this wave in Wakefield, Quebec which um is like an on and off wave. It never comes on or off. It's not it's not inter interrelated with the water levels. So it's really hard to know like it's super random. Like sometimes the levels are really low and it'll be there and sometimes the levels are really high and it will be there and then it won't in those in both those scenarios. Um, and the reason it's, it's like, it's really, there was a year ago, there's, or a year and a half ago, there's a huge flood in our region, like, like mega, mega, mega floods where like houses and it was terrible, but it was great for surfing. And, um, this wave appeared and it was like, it's just a huge mosh pit. It's so scary. It's so huge. And, and it's a left, it's a right. But it's so weird because you can go, you can get like basically flushed and like be like, you're basically out of the wave on the right hand side and you're like flushing and then in your, like you can feel that your board's like almost flat and then all of a sudden you're back in the wave. And it's kind of almost like there's a wave in the, like behind the wave. It's so weird to explain, but like it's just the coolest the coolest thing um and sometimes there's steps uh in the wave but it dep- if the levels are really high so it's just like overall a really interesting and ha- hard to surf well and like nicely wave um
1: so super weird <laughs> that's cool yeah what is your biggest oh shit moment while surfing or what was I guess? <laughs>
2: My biggest ocean moment.
1: No, um, oh shit, oh shit, oh
2: oh shit. I was like ocean. Oh I'm like, <laughs> oh my god. Like, <laughs> um, my biggest oh shit moment was. Okay, I, I, can I say two again? Is that okay? Yeah, yeah. Okay. My biggest oh shit moment number one was an oh shit of like awe, um, awe, like awe. <laughs> um when I went through dessert wave the first time which is one of our home waves and it's a like a 15 minute paddle out and a 15 minute paddle back um and it was I didn't go I was being shown the wave for the first time and it was the first time that I I saw a wave in the middle of the river where I actually had to paddle like a bit to get there and um it was like the sunset and it it was, it was breathtaking. Like it it was, I don't even know how to describe this, but like the, the wave is like, this wave is just like, I don't know. It's like, it's just a whole other thing. And it's like alone and it's, you're just like, when you're with that wave, you're alone with it. It's just like, it's a crazy feeling. Um, And it's so powerful and it's, uh it's not the easiest wave to catch so it was really it was an oh shit moment um that was like an oh shit beautiful moment and then the other oh shit moment i've had was when i got stuck in a whirlpool in montreal <laughs> where i was like it was like an oh shit can i swear yeah oh okay cool Cause it was like an oh fuck moment where i was like <laughs> i was like um I was swimming back. And it's so lame, because like, this wave is not that crazy. It's like, it's a nice wave. It's a fun wave, you have to paddle there. But like the after after the wave is so much crazier than the wave itself. So it's kind of like, it's so uneven. And so I had surfed the wave. And I was like, Okay, cool. That was fun. And I get off. And I think it was one of my first times. So like, I could see the shore and I could kind of see the eddies. So I wasn't, I was kind of taking my time paddling back, but I had no idea that like, I could, like, I shouldn't have taken my time and gotten off where I had gotten off because you get pulled into an eddy that pulls you into where the whirlpools are. And they are like, so anyway, so I'm like paddling back. And then I like start to feel my board uh, getting sucked under like from the bottom. And I, I'm like straight like my board is like um is uh is vertical at that point and I'm like what is going on and I start like spinning and I'm like oh fuck I'm in a whirlpool <laughs> and I look around and I could see other whirlpools forming but like they were massive like the center was visible which which just means there's like a ton of power and I I could see it and then like it was it was dragging my board down under and I gave like a really big kick and somehow got out but that was but this happens to a ton of people but it was definitely one of those moments where I was like oh fuck (laughs)
1: this is like really not (laughs) yeah yeah so my last question for you is what is next for you?
2: In surfing or in life? (laughs) Whatever. Both. Well, surfing-wise, we're going back to BC in September, but uh, we just bought land um, back in Gatineau. So the hopes are to, like, establish ourselves back at the home waves because it's great. And then
1: awesome, yeah.
0: And uh,
2: thank you, thank you. Um, but yeah, I think like I would love to take a year off of um my business somewhere down the line and kind of emulate what Jacob did and <laughs> just like follow in his footsteps and go see all the river waves. Um, because I really like those, so yeah, that'd be nice. That's
1: mm-hmm. awesome. Well, thank you so much for doing this. This was so fun and super, like, informative.
2: Aw, thank you. You were awesome to speak with. I really appreciate it.
1: Yeah. Awesome. Nice to meet you. Nice meeting you, too. (laughs) All right. See you later. bye-bye. Bye. Bye.
0: And that was episode 52. I really hope that you guys enjoyed that. I hope that I did not butcher the French pronunciation of that name too badly but I did give it my best shot and if you guys want to reach out to her you can find her on Instagram I will link all the information in the description and of course I hope you have a wonderful week I hope that it's not too flat where you are because it is summertime so we're praying for waves down here in Florida I hope that you're getting waves wherever you are and of course I will see you next Monday with another episode have a great
1: day guys